Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day 20 of the Wondered by the Word podcast, reading plan, and community. Today we are taking a look at Genesis chapter 17, 18, and 19. Now yesterday we took a look at the Abrahamic covenant started in Genesis 12 and explored it further in chapter 15. We're going to continue a look at it today as we get into the 17th chapter. Now when we pick up in Genesis 17, today we read that Abram is 99 years old. It has been 24 years since Genesis 15 when God made the second covenant with Abram. And since then, Abram has had a son named Ishmael, a result of Sarah taking matters into her own hands. We learned that. So here we are. And God appears to Abram again in chapter 17. It's the third covenant he makes with Abram. Now there are several things to note in the text. First, in the ESV, God uses the word I 16 times in the chapter. It's an echo of chapter 12, the first covenant, where God used the phrase I will five times. So here we see that again. We say that God is going to do the work. It's an unconditional covenant, only up to God to fulfill. And he makes that very clear to Abram. We also see God give Abram the promise and a name change because God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Here was a guy with one child, and the child wasn't even the one promised. And he is being told he'll be the father of multitudes. It's in his name. It's a promise, a reminder of what God is going to do. Now, up till now, it's all been on God, right? But here we are going to see God ask Abraham to seal the deal, to do his part. And it's in the act of circumcision. God says, he says, listen, I will bless you and your generations. I will give your descendants land. I will do all of this for you, Abraham, but I want you to do one thing. I want you to circumcise as a sign of the covenant. This act serves as a sign and is meant to be for every male. Now, verse 14 says that if any man should not be circumcised, they should be cut off from the covenant. After the sign has been established, God gives Abraham a very personal promise, the promise of Isaac through Sarah. And this is where her name is changed. Now at this, Abraham laughs, which fun fact, Isaac means laugh. Instead of being like, okay, I received this promise, Abraham, he advocates for Ishmael. But God tells him that the covenant will be established through Isaac. This was God's plan all along, even before they had taken matters into their own hands. But God does tell Abraham that he has heard his prayers for Ishmael and that this son will be blessed by God as well and a father of a great nation. At the end of chapter 17, Abraham has all the men in his family and in his house circumcised. Now, after this is done, we go into Genesis 18 and we see what is called a Christophany or an appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament. Here we see Jesus appear to Abraham along with two angels. 
Abraham, he asks them to stay for a morsel of bread. This is interesting because he offers them essentially a snack, but what he brings is actually the quite opposite. He brings them a feast. Abraham ends up, ends up bringing out three sillas of fine flour, which equates to 41 pounds of flour. So he brings out 41 pounds of flour um, for three men, as well as a tender calf. So he's offering them a feast. The Lord then proceeds to tell Abraham that at this time next year, Sarah will have a son. So Sarah, she's actually eavesdropping on this conversation and she laughs to herself, which laughter, I guess, must run in the family as like a response. But the Lord knows this. He knows that she laughs to herself, obviously, because he's God. And, and so he says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? But Sarah steps in and she denies it. And then the Lord corrects her. He's like, no, you did. But um, maybe she maybe she laughed because she didn't know what had been promised in chapter 17. You know, maybe Abraham never told her the promise and this is the first time she's hearing it. Or maybe she, she simply didn't believe that they could have a son in their old age. Either way, that conversation ends. <laughs> and from there, the three, which the Lord and the angels, they take Abraham to look out over Sodom. And the Lord tells Abraham that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sins are grave. Now that word outcry indicates oppression. So the people were feeling oppressed. People were feeling oppressed. And Ezekiel 16 tells us that their sins were both social and sexual. Yet even though what was happening there, the Lord is a fair judge and he's thorough in his decisions, which is why he sends the two angels down into the town. The coming judgment, it's a last resort. Now, while the angels go down to Sodom, and we'll take a look at that in a moment, Abraham and the Lord, they stay and they have this conversation. It's this conversation where Abraham goes, hey, Lord, if you find X amount of people in the city who are righteous, will you spare it? And God says, yes. And this happens several times with Abraham eventually going down to the number 10. But he stops there. He doesn't go under that. Perhaps he supposes there must be at least 10 righteous people in the city, especially with Lot's family there. But as we'll see, there aren't even 10 people that are righteous in Sodom. Now, as we enter chapter 19, we zoom in on the two angels and their experience in Sodom. When they arrive at the city gate, they find Lot sitting there. Okay, so this is actually really interesting. So in biblical times, those who sat at the city gate were considered the leaders and the judges of the city. So it goes back to the progression in Lot's life as he as he is drawn towards the things of this world, right? First, he moves close to Sodom, then he moves into it, and now he's a leader and a judge, a judge over a city so wicked that God wants to destroy it. But Lot's progression won't stop there, and we'll see why in a moment. Let's keep going. So Lot insists that the angels stay with him, right? One, because hospitality was really important in that day. And two, because he likely knew the men would not be safe in the town square. So after much insistence, they go, the, the two angels go and stay with Lot for the night. Now word spreads of the strangers and Genesis tells us that all the men, all, not some, but all the men of the city stood outside of Lot's house. And it wasn't for a good reason either. In fact, their intentions were quite dark. Homosexual, homosexuality was a great sin in the city. And here we see that their lust is out of control. But instead of giving the townsmen, the angels, the strangers, Lot 
instead offers up his two virgin daughters. Now, women were already held in low esteem in this culture, but Lot's decision here, it really reflects how he had allowed the corruption of the city to influence him, because offering his daughter showed his own moral depravity. You see, all along, we've been witness to Lot slipping away. As Lot drew closer to the people of the city, his heart grew further from the things of God, to the point that he was willing to sacrifice his own daughters to the, to the men of the city. And what ultimately it shows is that Lot tried to bargain with sin, but that was a great failure of his because you can't bargain with sin. Now, the men of the city, they declined the daughters and they pressed in even further for the strangers. And then the men are actually struck blind. We really see in the men a great folly of sin and how it blinds its prey. Yet even in blindness, sin forges ahead in its depravity because the men, they keep pushing even as they are struck blind. And I don't know about you, but if I'm struck blind out of nowhere, I'm finding my way home, right? But no, they keep pressing in into the depravity, into their lust to have these men. And as the night unfolds, the angels reveal God's plan to destroy the city to Lot. In verse 13, the angels say that the Sodomites have been sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And we saw a glimpse of this in the stranger's encounter with the men of the city, right? But Lot's family would be spared if, if they would flee. And we even see Lot hesitate because you know, he hesitates because we know his loyalty and his desires have shifted to the world. So the angels have to literally grab his hand and they have to take him out. But it doesn't even stop there with Lot because he proceeds to argue with them about where they're going. They tell him to go to the mountains, but he wants to flee to another town called Zoar, which means little city. Now in the Old Testament, cities were often a symbol of the world, while the mountains and the hills were a symbol of God's protection. But he fights them. Why? Because his heart clings to the world, even after all of this. And so they head towards Zoar, and once they're at a safe distance, the Lord sends down the fire to burn up Sodom and Gomorrah. But if you remember in verse 17, the angels told Lot and his family to not look back. Yet, Lot's wife does the very thing she was told not to do. Now that phrase, do not look behind, also means don't lag behind, do not turn back. And what it refers to is the nature to turn back to the world. God gives a direction and yet humans struggle to let go of the old ways and go in the direction that God has given them. And Lot's wife, she looks back, she doesn't believe God and she faces the consequences of her unbelief. After this incident, Lot ends up leaving Zoar with his daughters. Now remember the angels told him to go to the hills, but he preferred the city. Now he's leaving the city to go to the hills because he's afraid. And they take up in a cave and something really depraved takes place. The daughters believe they must give their father an heir. So they, they get him drunk and they sleep with him. Now it's obvious Sodom is still in their hearts or else that wouldn't have happened. That's a, an act of Sodom. And this goes really all the way back to Lot choosing what looked best to his eyes and desiring the things of this world. It all led to the death of his wife the loss of all his wealth and possessions, and now the depravity of this moment with his daughters. We then learn that both become pregnant and those children become the people of the Moabites and the Ammonites, which we will see plenty of throughout the Old Testament. That's the end of our study today. I know it's sort of a low note, but if we can look back, we see really the goodness of God. We see his grace 
throughout these chapters, his grace with Abraham and the conversation, his patience um, amongst the laughter and the unbelief, his his desire to use judgment as a last resort, but even in his judgment, it's fair, right? To take, to, to, to love God is to embrace all attributes of God, not just the ones that we like, like love and grace and mercy, but we also accept the justice and the judgment. A perfect God will not allow sin to run rampant. A perfect God is a God of justice, okay? And we see that throughout these chapters. Now, tomorrow is a catch-up day, so there's no episode. Take tomorrow to catch up if you've fallen behind or sit in a passage that really spoke to you this week. And we will pick up the day after with day 22 of the plan. And next week, we get to dive into the lives of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And I'll see you next time. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wondered by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom, that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the Ministry of Truth and Grace or Wonder by the Word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, Would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.